went there last week. And we sort of stopped at the end of verse 1. I want to read that again, and then we'll get to verse 2 also. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ by the will of God and our brother Sinothenes. Now, in, in, in the second verse says this, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. It's that first phrase I want us to think about. To the church of God in Corinth, to the church of God in Arena Ilkeston, to the church of God in Arena Mansfield, and to wherever God, friends, is calling us to plant in the future. You know, because there's more. There's more to come from this house. There's more to come from this house. But to the church of God. And then Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. It's just the second verse I want us to think about. If you did Ephesians with us in the stronger course earlier in the year, you'll know that it's, it, it, it is the classic book of two halves. The first reminds us of what we are in God, how wealthy, how rich we are. We're forgiven, we're redeemed, we're washed. And then this is the pivotal verse because it then says, okay, how are you going to implement that? It's all right being blessed, but are you going to work out the blessing? And so he says, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. The calling that you have received. Now, last week I talked about the call of God. This week I want to talk about finding your gift in the call of God. And Christian just nudged me uh, before the, the service was beginning to, go, to, to start, and I appreciate him for doing it because... I think you know me well enough not to be the sort of person to say you need to listen to my message on the, web, on, the, on the podcast. If you want to listen to it, then that's for you to make your mind up, not for me to be sort of selling it. But the reality is, I'm going to say this, if you weren't here last week, whatever your age, but particularly for people under 30 that are trying to navigate the call of God in their life, not only for those, because I sensed also in my heart there were people beyond that that need to be confronted with what the call of God means to them in this season, then I do say to you, with humility this morning, you need to listen to last week's podcast if you weren't here. And you need to appropriate it to your heart. It's never the same as life. We understand that, but we're doing our best. And you need to hear about the, the call of God. A call on your life for a specific task and purpose, sometimes expressing itself in a vocational commitment. It may be that to, you know, there are people who are going to have to lay down the lucrative journey that you've mapped out for yourself for the cause of the call. The call that runs from a relationship in this church. The call that sees other churches planting in the On One Corridor. The call that reaches out to this wonderful central area that we represent. The call that takes people into mainland Europe. With relational connection, apostolic leadership, prophetic mandate to go and plant something that will turn around a city, a community for Jesus Christ. But the reality is this, friends. I bought a coin with me this morning. I'm afraid it's only a one pound coin. But... The ministry doesn't stop there because what I want to do is I want to complement what I said last week with using the the age-old cliche of there really is two sides to the coin. Now, if the coin's one side, it just drops on the floor either side. But if it's bound together, I once went to Clan Crescent in South Wales where the Royal Mint, they make these by the million, of course, But if it's bound together, then something else happens. And the two sides of the coin need to be bound together because then we get get momentum. We get something going forward. We get advancement. And the reality is that the two sides of the coin need to be bound together, of course, by love. They need to be bound together by the work of the Holy Spirit. 
They need to be bound together by relationship. And so we could go on. And here's the truth, friends. There are two sides of the coin. You see, last week you may have gone away from the message saying, well, that, that didn't relate to me. And it may not have specifically applied to you. Although, even though it didn't apply to all, I hope it was increasingly appreciated by all. But there's no way out of this week. There's no way out of this week. Because the truth of the matter is that we are all called. You see, the verse in Ephesians was not just to specific people. It was to the church at Ephesus. And the verse that we find ourselves reading in Corinthians speaks about Paul's call. But then he talks about the church of God in Corinth. The original word for church in the New Testament is the word ecclesia, which talks about assembling or gathering, but carries with it the sense of being called out to something. And as we have come to church this morning, we have been the called of God. The Bible reminds us of 1 Peter 2.9 that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation belonging unto God. Now, the problem with called is that sometimes in the past we were called to separation. In the sense of separation became isolation. We got called out and we never had any contact with those that hadn't yet come. But you're called out to go back in tomorrow morning. Go back into the office. Go back into doing the barista at Starbucks and say, oh, mate, I'm Ryan, you're Matt, yeah. But something about that begins to connect. This guy's got emptiness in his heart. He becomes a devoted follower of Jesus. Call to your college as new term starts. Call to school, wherever it is. Not called out isolated, but called out, separated, to then impact people back with a changed heart and a changed life to the glory of God and to the praise of his name. Callings. And I want to encourage us today, friends, I'm going to just share a few principles briefly with us, as time allows, to encourage every one of us to find the bullseye of our calling for this season. And we need everybody. We need everybody. Now, let me just for a moment remind us that the calling that I mentioned last week is often expressed through what we would call Ephesians 4.11 ministry gifts, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. And we believe in the leadership of the church in all of those gifts today. Not capital A apostolic, but small a apostolic, small a prophetic, small a pastor, small a e evangelist, small p pastor, and small t teacher, not titles, but tasks, not kudos, not ego, but people serving the church of Jesus Christ. And I tell you, friends, I said last week, you'll never have a prevailing church without those gifts and without the people of God being exposed to them. But here's the danger. Here's the danger. Sometimes we can make too little of those gifts and think we don't need them, but sometimes we can take, make too much of them. And what happens is that we create, sometimes deliberately, but often unintentionally, a clergy-lated device. Oh, well, we're not one of those churches where people walk around, you know, dressed up differently to everybody else and being called different. No, I know that. But we have to guard our spirit, friends, that we don't create a divide. There's a sense of honor that needs to come to the church. We understand that. A recognition of spiritual authority and the gift of God that God gives to the church but the reality is we're all in this, in the sense of running in the call. There is no clergy lady divide taught in the New Testament. And the reality is sometimes that professional Christian workers have been at fault because they've liked the kudos of being called the very Reverend Holy Father. 
Servant leadership, friends. So being a servant. People that haven't been able to deal with things. I could develop that, but I speak to a lot of leaders and people that are unable to navigate the next season of their life because their life's not wrapped up in their call. It's wrapped up in their title. It never works. The title is that you're a servant. So you get down and wash people's feet and sometimes they kick the water straight back into it. You're going to do it again. That's what it is. And I talk to some people, friends, and I'm getting a little bit older than I'd like to admit sometimes, but the reality is I've got to navigate some of this stuff over the next decade. And I'm just a servant. And if certain seasons of my life come to an end, and I've not got people coming to me but going past me, it's absolutely fine. Because if somebody else is picking up the band of the next generation that's carrying the mantle, that is fantastic. And if they can do it a thousand times better than me, that's even better. That's what it's about. So we don't run with that in this church. And it's not without, we don't overly professionalize servant ministry, even though there are people in the church that would be defined as staff. It is not without intent, friends, that you will not find a notice board around any site of arena with Christian's photograph on it or mine. Any publicity, any brochures, anybody insisting on being called pastor first, you know, any of that. I said on Tuesday night, no, we're going to Africa when they say, hi, Pastor Phil, saying, don't call me Pastor Phil, it's Phil, okay, Pastor Phil. It'll just go on all fortnight. It just, you know, it, it just works there. It just works. You know, it's no good getting blood pressure about it because they'll just blank you down and keep doing it. But the reality is it's Christian the pastor, Phil the pastor. That's how it works, you see. It's not without intentionality. There's no clergy-lady divide. There's nobody saying, we're called. So we're doing it. And you've just got to sit and watch us. No, we're called. We're called. We're called. We've got a particular role to play and a particular input. We need to grow that team as well. And we will do. But we're all called. I know that deflates the bubble of some people that say, well, I'm called. And so it should. Because at the end of the day, that coldness, whatever it is, it's always got to be rooted in a servant life. And so we need wholehearted commitment to the Lord. And here's the journey, friends, that we are passionate about in Arena Church. Not only Arena Church because it's us, but because we believe it's the heart of the New Testament. We're passionate about people coming to Jesus and receiving the Lord. And today, friends, thousands of people across the earth are going to receive Jesus Christ for the first time. And you can be one of them. If you've never become a believer, there's going to be an invitation before the service is concluded. We then encourage people to identify with the body of Christ. We'd like you to identify with this body. It's called Arena Church. But it may not be that for you. But I'll come to it in a moment. You need to identify with a local group of Christians, the called out ones, the ecclesia. And then thirdly, on that journey of connecting with the church... Jesus wants you to grow in your devotedness to him, that you come to a place of understanding, I'm called, I'm called to this. And that you'll serve in his purpose and his plan. And that will be a progressive journey for you. But if we could get all of the church to live out all of those principles, the momentum would be incredible, incredible. And so briefly, I want to just give a few principles this morning that will help us to come to an understanding of our coldness and to increasingly find our gifting and expression within that. I'm talking about principles, friends. I'm not talking about specifics. So don't take it as a specific. Take it as a principle that will work in your heart. 
in Jesus' name. I'm going to run through these pretty quickly. So the first one is that you need to accept the truth. 1 Peter 4 verse 10. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 in the New American Standard Bible says, Each of us, each of you as you've received a special gift should employ it in serving one another. Now, if I had five quid, never mind about a pound coin, for every time I've had Christians come to me and say, I've not got anything to give. It's all right for you on the platform, you know. But I'm not a preacher. I'm not talking about being a preacher. I'm not talking about platform presence. I'm not talking about anybody knowing what you're doing even. It's all obtrusive, your gifting. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that God's given you a gift. He's given you something to contribute to the body of Christ. And you need to not accept the lie, but accept the truth. That each one of us, as we have received a special gift, should employ it in serving one another. God has called you to himself, and he wishes to use you. And we need to believe that. And I break off this morning anything in anybody's heart. Sometimes it can be 20, 30 years deep within them that says you have no contribution to make to the body of Christ. The Bible says in Corinthians 12 that those parts of the body that seem indispensable are all the more necessary. And I break it this morning. That 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 puts a lid on your life, that presses you back, that keeps you in inferiority. And I call you this morning to rise up to be what God has destined you to be. The second thing is that we need to be in fellowship. The Bible tells us in Acts 2, 42, that they devoted themselves. And one of the things they devoted themselves was to fellowship. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, that we should not neglect fellowship. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 92, verses 12 to 15, that it's those that are planted in the house that flourish. You know these verses, and you know them well. But friends, we need to do them. This is a massive subject. We could stay here for the rest of the time, but I'm not going to. But here's the truth. God's called you to others. He's called you to God, but he's called you to others. Now, in a postmodern world, this is a fascinating journey for people because, interestingly, some people want to decide whether they can do life with others before they'll commit to God. It's called belonging and believing. My reserve with that is that I don't want them to forever belong without believing. But they want to suss us out, friends, and find out whether we're authentic, whether we keep our word, whether we try to live in integrity, where what we say is what we do. They say, I can do a journey with these people. I can do a journey with them. But we are called to togetherness. We're described as sheep in the Bible. Not, not, not the most sort of, uh, you know, uh, over-the-top sort of uh, uh, description. But we're described as sheep. I remember setting an elder into a church in Staffordshire some two or three years ago. And he was a shepherd. He is a shepherd. I mean, not an elder shepherd. I mean, he looks after sheep every day. Poor, didn't he? Pong. No, I mean, he just might, you know. I think he showered, but, you know. And he brought his, sta- his crook. And he talked about, you know, pulling the sheep. Brilliant. Brilliant. And he said this. He said, sheep are a flock animal. We're meant to flock together. We're meant to do this. We're not defining you or the church by this. We'd much rather actually, or alongside that, define church by what's happening on Monday. But we need this. We need to flock together. We need to be the ecclesia that gets called out and assembles together there's something that god does here that he won't do anywhere else that's why sometimes if you feel the tug of your heart to make a response to an appeal you need to do it 
I know that you can sort it out in your bedroom afterwards, and God's often been gracious in allowing people to do it, but there's something about being in the house and responding to the word when it's taught in the house. We describe it as a body. And you know the imagery of 1 Corinthians 12, where it says the arm can't say to the leg, I don't need you. I mean, forgive the grotesque illustration, but imagine my leg wandering off there all of a sudden right now, and sort of just doing its thing. You might not believe it, but there's some coordination taking place in this body right now. You're part of the body. You're part of the body. Those of you that have fractured your little toe, your big toe, a finger, the discomfiture, having a splint on, and, you know, I do a shave, and I do a shower without getting it wet. You know, little things that bring irritation to us. You may be a little finger, you may be a little toe, you may be something seemingly inconcurrent, you may be an internal organ, nobody notices what you're doing, but we need you. We need you in the body. We need you to commit to the body. We're committed to the head, friends. We're continually going back to the head. Jesus, because he's the builder of the church. We lose connection with him, we might as well all pack in. But we need you. And then we described also as a household. A household. In other words, we come to a house. Our house carries authority. I don't know about yours. Not heavy authority, but it carries authority. See, if some people came to our house and did things that were inappropriate to our values and beliefs, we tell them to leave the house. We tell them not. Now, because we've established that authority in such an unobtrusive way, people just get it. In fact, when kids used to come to, for, on a Friday night to our house, because Alison used to corral them all up to go to the youth group, and said, Dad, if I get them to youth group, will you take them home? Yeah, it seems a good deal to me. You know, it was about quarter to 11 at night. You know, they used to go away and say, there's something about your house. All I said is, hi, Jessica. Hi, hi Sue. How you doing? And they went in the other room, you know. I don't want to spend time with them kids in the right sense of the word. There's something about your house. It's a household. That's why. And of course, lots of them are not coming from households. They're not coming from households. They're coming from something where anything goes. A household is a secure place. It's a blessed place. It's a place, friends, where we can feel at ease. It's a safe place. Our house is a safe place. We don't allow anything to happen in our house that would be inappropriate to hurt other people. Nothing, be that physical or verbal. Nothing. And so is this house. And so we could go on. You need to join to a house. And if I can say it today, friends, Arena Church is a safe place for you to do your journey. It's a place that carries authority. It's a place that brings direction. But you can go on a journey here, knowing that we'll be as protective as we can towards you to allow you to come to a place of maturity in all that God's called you to be. It's a household. And if I can just say this, and it's courtesy of Jeff Lucas just reading these little phrases just last week, you need to look upon the church not as a shop, not as something to shop for, but as something to join. You see, because church is not a commodity, it's a community. And here's how it works. You try to book that night at a hotel, and you get that box come up. Wi-Fi, tick. Ensuite, tick. Breakfast, tick. Oh, you tick all the buttons. Oh, yeah. Well, it's not bad for 250 No, I mean, who'd pay that? But it's not bad for £49 a night. And you get the tick boxes. Forgive me, friends. If you approach church with a tick box mentality, there's always going to be another box that's never been able to be ticked. So if you can't give your heart away from it, God's going to keep extending. The... And we'll go on about this forever. Because there'll always be something else. And when all else fails, you're going to go out the door because there's not enough love in the church. It's always the one right at the end. 
always the one at the end. And I passionately encourage you today, friends, to join the community of believers. Because then you'll find the full expression of your calling. Thirdly, have a selfless heart. Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 to 24. And I'm going to run through these real quick. Paul was able to send Timothy to the church because he knew Timothy was not dominated by self-interest or a what's-in-it-for-me attitude, but wanted to serve the body of Christ. Number four, be dedicated. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 2. This was the first message I ever preached on as a 17-year-old kid. And uh, I've still got it somewhere. Oh, my. It needed some work on it, you know. But I present, beseech you, therefore, brothers, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. And something happens there, friends, that if we will offer our lives, if we will not conform, and if we will be transformed, we will prove that God's will is pleasing, it's perfect, and it's a blessing to our lives. It's good, it's pleasing, and it's perfect. Bring yourself to a place of dedication. I get staggered at times at how many Christians find it difficult to come to a place of dedicating their lives to God. Christian said to us in the team meeting this morning, why wouldn't you want to give anything less than your best to this? Why wouldn't you? I was reading the press this week that one of our great international footballers was capped for the hundredth time this week. His name's Frank Lampard. When he played for West Ham, he used to be derided by other teams as the fat boy, and he did carry a little bit of bulk in his earlier days. I was reading Jamie Carragher talking about him yesterday and says one of the reasons that this man has been capped a hundred times for his country is an incredible dedication. When everybody else had gone to the showers, he's, tr- he's practicing. He's practicing his penalties. He's practicing his free kicks. He's practicing that thing that Ronaldo did off his laces that makes the ball go all over the place. He's dedicated. He's dedicated to football. I tell you what, friends, it doesn't hold a candle to Jesus. There's not a candle. Number five, recognize where your fulfillment lies. Hebrews 13, 21. Hebrews 13, 21 says these words. It says, equip you, let, may the shepherd of the sheep equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's crazy for you to think that for the next 30 years of your life, God, in his somehow sadistic way from heaven, is going to ask you to do something you don't enjoy. Some people believe that's God. They really do. Some people find it difficult to dedicate themselves to God because somehow they don't like China. And they're always worried that that's the one thing God's going to tell them to do. Friends, if he gives you a, love for, if he gives you a call for a country, he gives you a love for the country as well. He really does. He really does. It's crazy to think that absolutely crazy. God wants you, quoting Bill Hybels, to come to the center of the pool of your calling over his life. He really does. He wants you to come to the place, friends, where you feel impassioned about what you're doing. Now, the foundation of that discovery, as I've already said, is servanthood. But God wants you in this season of your life to be in the right church, expressing the right gift in the right team with the right place for the right time. That's what he wants for you. I well remember Danielle coming to a children's conference was the year before last. And Julie will tell you that we had some real hiccups along the way. She often doing preparing conferences 
the extent that we had to pull together a kids team 24 hours before we were due to start. And Danielle got pulled into this. You know, she's at Mattersea and pray for her because she begins a second term, a second year in a few weeks' time. And as she came out of that, she said, well, I found out what I don't like doing. <laughs> she's not going to get called to kids' ministry. And some of you love kids' ministry. It's what you're called for. But not everybody is. And you've got to find the center. You get Terry Eccles. Terry Eccles is coming in a couple of weeks' time to talk about the bullseye of your calling. And Terry's got an amazing journey. And he'll share that far better than I could. But an amazing journey. Now we need to engage with the process. And don't be just sat around waiting for your gift to work out forever. It may start with stacking the chairs. And by the way, if you're in the center of your gift, it still means stacking the chairs. Don't get precious about the fulfillment of your gift. And in quotes, quotes, that's not my ministry. Because if you keep saying that, you won't have a ministry. But God wants us to operate where we're blessed. Brilliant, Jonathan, this morning. He's gone on a journey. He's built relationships. He joined the community. We're able to release him into something of his gift. He's far bigger than that, by the way. Jonathan, there's a lot of gift to come out of you, mate. A lot of gift. See, he's a great connector with people. You just need to keep letting God do it. But he's able to come to express something of his gift this morning. If you said to me, you know, I want you to push up with a worship band and play an electric guitar for the next two years, they'd wreck me. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Give me a Bible, open the Bible, say, preach up, you know, bring it on. You see, you want to be in the center of your gift. And we want to help you to find the center of your gift. We really do. Number six, listen to others. Proverbs 12, 15 says that a wise person listens to advice. And I'm talking, please hear me, I don't want to be edgy, but I'm not talking about listening to what Brian Houston says over your life or Stephen Furtick or Rick Warren. None of them know you. I'm talking about people that you talk to in this church that know your idiosyncrasies, that know something of your weaknesses, that know sometimes when you get it wrong and still want to empower you in the gift that God's called you to be. It's discipleship. Discipleship comes out of connection. It comes out of relationship. Not hearing a word from the other side of the world and running in and saying, I've got a revelation. I need to be doing this. Hang on a minute. What about this? What about this? What about this? So you need to listen to others, but you need to listen to people that are in your world. And number seven, you need to be patient. Philippians 1 verse 6 says that he that's begun a good work in you will perform it or complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It was that prayer that went around some years ago, wasn't it? Lord, I want patience, and I want it now. And we're all, we all think we're incredibly patient until I'm coming into this office on Monday morning, drive, behind a Sunday afternoon driver. But again and again in the Bible, friends, God called people to be patient. Mentioned Elisha last week burning his plowshares. He was a plowman before he became a prophet. Go on the journey, commit to it, and let's see what God will do. To the call of God in Arena Ilkiston. Ephesians 4.1, I urge you as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ to live a life worthy of the call. I tried to unpack my burden last week to talk about specific calling to people's lives. But the reality is, friends, this is also equally passionate in my heart. The two sides of the coin. 
We need both to be working bound together with the love of God and the spirit that brings freedom to the house of the Lord. And we want you, friends, to be part of what God's doing in these days. We don't want you just to feel that you're missing it. We don't want you to feel that you've got nothing to contribute. We want you to find a place of call. And today, if you've never become a follower of Jesus, there's a sense of call over it. Jesus says, follow me. And in a moment or two, I'm going to invite Christian to come and make an invitation to call people to the Lord. I want you also to recognize today, friends, afresh, that you're special to Jesus. You see, in Acts chapter, in Ephesians chapter 2, it talks about being saved by grace, that not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And verse 10 gives us the reason. He says, because we're God's workmanship. That word workmanship, literally in the original, means masterpiece. God loves you. You're special to God. You may have been like our Ryan and brought up with no affirmation, no sense of love. No special days in your worlds. It's all about to change. And God wants to sculpt you into his purpose and his plans. To be part of his masterpiece. It's called the church of Jesus Christ in the earth in the 21st century. And molding you. And shaping you. And refining you. And designing you. To find your unique gift and contribution to the community of believers called the church. Number three, I want to encourage you to get practical help. And uh, if you prefer to do it by paper, you can do this wonderful new questionnaire that we've been able to access called Discovering Your Spiritual Gift. If you prefer to do it online, if you go onto Arena Church website, go onto the media uh, uh, section, you'll be able to scroll down and you'll be able to access that and do it online. It'll just help you to come to an understanding of your shape. If you're not a Bible teacher, don't worry about it. This will confirm it probably. But it will confirm the gifts of God in you. Maybe it will surprise some of you. There's more in all of us than we realize, friends. And I'm so thankful that even in recent years in my 50s, people have gathered around me to recognize there's more in me than I ever realized. And I bless those people on a regular basis. And finally, friends... Let's not leave today without facing the challenge that's come to the, from the word. Let's forever eradicate the lie in our lives that sits there on occasions that says we've nothing to contribute, we've no gift, we've no call. The wonderful news today as we journey on this series, it's not just that Christians that's called or Phil that's called or the Archbishop of Canterbury that's called. We're all called.